1: Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith because our hearts have been sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies have been washed with pure water. You have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Why would you stay away? Let's draw near to him. Let's enter in.
0: Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we join senior Pastor Will Ramirez in a study of the book of Numbers. We have seen God preparing the Israelites to enter into the land He had promised them. He gave them further instructions on how they were to carry the tabernacle and trek through the desert wilderness to a land flowing with milk and honey. God had given the people an important task, To clear from the camp the people that were ceremonially unclean. Last we saw in Numbers chapter 6 that God was implementing the Nazarite vow and gave a blessing for the priests to proclaim over the whole nation of Israel that the Lord would bless them, keep them, and cause his face to shine upon them, that he would be gracious unto all the people, lifting his countenance or face upon them, giving them absolute peace and rest. We now join Pastor Will in Numbers chapter 7.
1: Chapter seven, it says, Now it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it and sanctified it and all the instruments thereof, both the altar and all the, wait, 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 wait. What are we doing here? I thought this already happened in Exodus chapter 40. You're right. If you've been paying attention and you caught that, you are correct. So what's going on here? We are in the Bible time machine. We are going backwards for a moment here. When we look at numbers, I I explained to you when we first started our introduction that numbers is not written in chronological order. It will pick different pieces because it's it's in order of content. It is not in chronological order. So, because the book's not written in chronological order, it's going to deal with another topic since chapter 6 obviously ends a section. They've now done everything God asked them to do, and at the end of chapter 6, he says, now you can bless them, they're ready to go. Now, we will go when we get to chapter 10. So, what in the world is chapter 7 through 9? Well, we were introduced to some guys all the way back in chapter 1, and there's a little bit more to their story that hasn't had a place to tell it yet. And so we're going to go back in time when we get here to number 7 to some of the things that these guides did back in Exodus chapter 40. In Exodus chapter 40, it says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month shall you set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. And then he gives him all the instructions of what he's to set up. That's what chapter 40 is. And at the end, it summarizes that God's presence filled the tabernacle, so much so that nobody could go in there to minister. And then fire came down and started the fire on the altar, and everybody worshiped, and it was an awesome time. That's a very loose summary of a lot of specific events that occurred. In chapter seven, we get more of the details of those events. Chapter seven takes us back a month earlier to Exodus 40. So we're jumping back to the time before everything that was written in Leviticus, including God bringing fire down from heaven to light the altar. Again, why are we doing that? Because chapter six concluded all the unfinished business that Israel needed to deal with before they could get moving. Chapter seven, though, gives us more information on some of the guys we met in chapter one. Now remember, in chapter one, Verses 5 through 16, it gives a list of names of the leaders, or King James says, princes of each tribe. Well, what else did they do? Well, they give us the longest chapter in all of the law. It came to pass on that day where Moses set up the tabernacle and anointed it, verse 2 explains, that the princes of Israel, heads of the house of their fathers, those 12 guys we mentioned in chapter 1 of Numbers, they Uh, and were over, I'm sorry, who were princes of the tribes and were over them or in charge of them that were numbered, they offered. So it just sums it up and says they offered. Well, what did they offer? Well, these leaders got together and they said, we want to bless the Lord and his people. So they bring two offerings. One was to help the Levites with the transportation of all the tabernacle structure when they were on the move. And the second was to dedicate the altar to for use. They said, so This altar is special. It's going to be the place where our sins are forgiven, where we're going to come to the Lord and we're going to make things right with Him. We want to dedicate it with a special celebration. And so they bring those two offerings before the Lord. It's in their heart. God put it there, of course, but it was in their heart. And they came to Aaron, Moses, and they said, We want to do this. And the Lord told him, We're going to see that in a moment. The Lord said, Aaron and Moses, you need to let them do this. I put it in their heart. It's special to me. So, verse 3. And they brought their offering before the Lord. Their first offering here. It was six covered wagons and 12 oxen. A wagon for two of the princes. So each of the princes, two princes would chip in for one wagon. They'd split the cost. And then for each one, an ox. So they would bring in each one of them, all 12, an ox. And they brought them before the tabernacle. Now, do you remember everything that the Levites gave up the day that God chose them? All their flocks, all their herds, everything. I imagine as God said, and it's your responsibility to carry all these boards and to carry all this stuff. They probably were thinking to themselves, it would have been nice to have some of those animals. But God took them all away when he called them to be Levites. They had to trust him to provide for how they were going to carry all this stuff. And look here, God does. God provides for the transportation of all these materials through six wagons and 12 oxen. God is providing for them. And isn't it awesome that these leaders got together to bless the Levites? This love, this unity and generosity is how we're supposed to be. And not just with those who are serving, but to everybody, to one another. We should have this love, unity and generosity toward each other. And so they bring this, and Moses is probably thinking, what am I going to do with wagons and whatever? And so the Lord spoke unto Moses, verse 4, saying, "'Take it of them, that they may be to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And what are you going to do with them?' "'You shall give them unto the Levites, to every man, according to his service.'" You know, the temptation would be to think, how would God use wagons and oxen? And yet, since God was the one who put it in their hearts, he already had a purpose for it. And so he tells Moses, it will be for the Levites and give it, distribute it to the Levites, not evenly. Because remember, there's three different families of Levites that have three different responsibilities. He says, give it to them according to their service. It would be given to whomever it was most needed and it would be most useful to Verse 6. So Moses took the wagons and the oxen and he gave them to the Levites. Two wagons and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershon according to their service. They were the ones who handled all the curtains, the big thick curtains. So they got two wagons and four oxen to pull them. And then four wagons, the rest of them, and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari according to their service. Under the hand of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest, he was in charge of them. That was, they were the ones who had to carry all the boards, the structure of the tabernacle, all the pillars, and everything that made it stand up when they would set it up. So they had the bulk of the carrying to do, and he gave the rest of it to them. Which means the family of Kohath got zipped. They got nothing. Verse nine. But under the sons of Kohath, he gave none, because the service of the sanctuary belonged to them. They carried the ark of the covenant, or the table of showbread the golden menorah, the altar of incense. And it mentions here that their responsibility was that they should bear it upon their shoulders. They would carry it like this on their shoulders. It was not to be carried with a cart or by an animal. It was to be carried by hand. So they didn't need it. So they did not receive any of it. I am so thankful that Calvary Chapel has a very simple church government structure because I have talked to so many pastors from other denominations and other church organizations who have very complex church leadership structures and financial structures and government structures, and it is a nightmare getting anything done. Because if you give $200 to the outreach ministry, you better give $200 to the children's ministry. You better give $200 to this ministry or they're gonna feel left out. That is not a biblical concept. God provides for who it's needed for. And so the children's ministry needs all the money that somebody donated for something. You say, hey, it's for the ministry, whatever you need to use use it for. It's a special offering. You go, hey, well, we've been praying for the children's ministry for this thing. Well, then it's all going there and everybody else can suck on a straw because that's what the Lord put it for. It's where it was most needed. I always kept, I still do. I don't keep it out in the open anymore because as I just said that phrase, it probably was not most polite, but I used to keep a straw in my office and I would begin to kind of play with it when people be whining too much. I'll let you fill in the blank. David would have done well to obey God in this when he tried to transport the ark the first time. God means what he says. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? That he means what he says. He does mean what he says. And so when God tells us to do something, we should do it. Verse 10. Here's our second offering. And... The princes offered for the dedicating of the altar. So this, the first one is for the Levites to help them out. This one is for the dedication of the altar. In the day that it was anointed, even the princes offered their offering before the altar. So they came and brought it to the tabernacle and said, we want to give this to dedicate the altar to celebrate this momentous day. So when they do that, the Lord says to Moses, I want to do it a little bit differently, Moses. I don't want to do it on one day. He says, they shall offer their offering, but each prince on his day for the dedicating of the altar. I want them all to have a day where their whole tribe can come together and celebrate their offering to me to dedicate the altar where they will meet with me. This offering, therefore, would be for the priests and the Levites, who I'm sure, again, wondered how they'd get the supplies they needed to start the service of the tabernacle. By working all day in the tabernacle or teaching God's law to his people, they would not have the time to gain these resources by working in fields or anything else. But this offering, as we'll see in a moment, will be a very good start to supplying that need. But this offering is even more generous and surely represented the donation of not just these princes, but of the entire tribe. You know, God was so touched by that generosity that he wanted each leader in each tribe to bring it separately so there'd be a 12-day celebration One for each offering. And you know what? This must have been 12 of the most awesome days for Israel. I mean, here comes Judah and they come on in and everybody's just celebrating together and going, wow, we have a relationship with God Almighty and we're gonna dedicate this altar and God's presence is gonna be there. And can you imagine the anticipation as each day is almost like counting down, like the days till Christmas, you know? And here it was, a special thing that God makes it a big deal And when you remember that it culminated in God's presence falling on the tabernacle and fire shooting forth from his presence to light the altar, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? So what was their offering? Well, the reason this chapter is 89 verses is because every leader got together and brought the same thing. Now, we're going to examine one in detail, and then we'll talk about why it's repeated 11 more times for each leader. So verse 11 uh, verse 12, here we see the first tribe's offering. It says, and he that offered his offering the first day was Nashon, the son of Aminadab of the tribe of Judah. Now, if you read through this chapter, you'll see that the leaders offer in the same order they marched. So Nashon, the leader of Judah, he goes first. What was his offering? Verse 13, and his offering was one silver charger. Charger would be like a shallow platter, similar to what you might use for holiday dinners, you know, when you pass it around to family. And also it says the weight thereof was 130 shekels. Now, most people guess that a shekel is between a third or a half of an ounce. So this charger, this platter, weighed anywhere from two to four pounds of solid silver. Not super heavy, but quite pricey, being made entirely of a precious metal like that. Then it says, "Also, one silver bowl, and these would be a a sprinkling basin. Uh, It and shows that these gifts were intended not for their personal use in their homes, but for ceremonial use as they served throughout the tabernacle. So, this would be a sprinkling basin, a little tiny bowl that they would sprinkle things with. It mentions uh, that uh, that was after uh, seventy shekels, so much lighter." Both of them were full of fine flour mingled with oil for a grain offering. So the initial giving, they had an offering inside of them. Then they brought one spoon of 10 shekels of gold. So a purely gold spoon that was full of incense. Then we get to the animals, one young bullock, one ram, one lamb of the first year for a burnt offering to say, Lord, we're just surrendering our whole tribe is surrendering our lives to you. And then one of the kid of the goats for a sin offering, because that was offered every day by the priests. So that was a good start for them. Then, and for a sacrifice of peace offering. So this is the part where they're going to party. This is the part where they're going to have a great big dinner bash. It says for them, there'd be two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs of the first year. That is a big, huge barbecue. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Aminadab. So this is a lot of food. Again, it shows that it was meant for the entire tribe to celebrate together. Now, notice that the leader's name is repeated at the end again. It says, and this was the offering of Nathan, the son of Amminadab, of the tribe of Judah. And then it says it again at the end of his offering. Why? Well, that leads us to the question of why the repetition for every tribe's offering? Like if we read the next one, it's gonna read the same way with one exception. It gives the name of the man who led the tribe. That's it. And it says it at the beginning and at the end for every single tribe. Now, we've already spent time on their names, so there is significance to that. If you want to get that, I think there's still some out on the information table where I gave all their name meanings. And... Chapter one, verse 17 explains that they were picked because their names were significant. That's why Moses picked them. So Israel would be reminded of these important truths that they need to stand on in their travels as each day was celebrated. And we need to not forget those important truths either. So if you need to get hold of those, grab one of those or go listen to the message on Numbers one and be reminded of those special truths that we need to remember as we journey with Jesus. But I think it also reminds us that God is interested in individuals as well as us corporately. God loves Calvary Chapel Orlando, but he loves Will Ramirez too. He loves you as well, you know? These were real men whose hearts were truly moved to lead their people in this generous offering. So God calls them by name and says their offering and gives them their day each at a time. Do you realize that God knows your name? And do you realize that he is very pleased by your desire to offer something special to him? You know, when you come to him, you know, he doesn't just come and say, put it over there with the rest of the presence. And sometimes you can probably feel that way. Well, I don't feel like I do anything important for the Lord. Listen, when you come and you bring something special for him, because you just, out of your heart, you say, Lord, I love you and I just want to serve you in this capacity. He is so excited. He is beyond blessed and it's important to him. He doesn't just say, put it on the table with the rest of the gifts. He's not some pompous ruler, just, oh, there, there, thank you very much, put it over there. It is important to him. You are special to him and when you're bringing to him, pleases him greatly. Do you realize that? Or do you think your contribution is minimal compared to others? It's interesting. I'm not gonna read through it all because it will get a little bit monotonous as I read through it. But I would encourage you to read through it But I would encourage you to read through it. And I I would encourage you to do so slowly, not quickly. I think the pacing of this chapter teaches us something about how these 12 days went. Nothing was rushed, right? Everybody got their full day. There was certainly pomp and ceremony associated with each offering because everything was treated as if it was the first time. Everything was treated as if it was uniquely and individually special. Nothing was left out. Nothing was neglected. And in a world where everything is now, 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 and people are marginalized, is it really such a bad thing to slow down and to take time for one person? Is it really such a bad thing to come to a Bible study that has this type of a list and just to slow down and to think that these were individuals who loved the Lord and just wanted to bless his heart? I imagine as you slow down and you read all of it, that there'll be a special blessing that God ministers to you. You know, the Bible has lots of lists, But in those lists, it always contains individual names, lots of individual names. Names that may feel laborious to read or hard to pronounce for you and I, but they were real people who God loved, who God was blessed by, and who Jesus would die for in the future. People just like you. And don't you want God to give you all of his attention? He surely does. So let's remember that next time we read a monotonous section of scripture and we're tempted to just kind of read through it quickly and move on. Verse 84, this was the dedication of the altar in the day when it was anointed by the princes of Israel. And here's everything that was brought. 12 charges of silver, 12 silver bowls, 12 spoons of gold, each charger of silver weighing 130 shekels, each bowl 70, and all the silver vessels weighed 2,400 shekels. That's a lot of precious metal. And after the shekel of the sanctuary. And the golden spoons were 12, full of incense, weighing 10 shekels apiece. After the shekel of the sanctuary, all the gold of the spoons was 120 shekels. Again, quite a bit of precious metal. And all the oxen for the burnt offerings were 12 bullocks, the rams 12, the lambs of the first year 12, with their grain offering, and the kids of the goats for sin offering 12. And all the oxen for the sacrifice of the peace offerings were 24 bulls, the rams were 60. The he goats were 60. The lambs of the first year were 60. Can you imagine how tired Aaron and his family was after butchering all that meat? This was the dedication of the altar. After that, it was anointed. We don't know exactly what this gold would be worth and silver would be worth in today's money, but any way you shake it, it's pricey. But they were generous with it. And when you add up all the animals, it was 256 total animals, 21 animals a day. That's a lot of food, which means it was a big celebration, a big church potluck. And yet the most valuable thing in all this pomp and ceremony is found when it's all said and done in verse 89. And when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him, to speak with God, then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from there off that mercy seat that was upon the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubims. And he, that's God, spoke with him. This fulfills God's promise from Exodus 25, 21, and 22, where he says, I will speak with you and you will speak with me. But it also reveals something very personal. Moses goes in to speak with God and it ends with the words, God spoke with him. And do you realize that? That God wants a relationship with you even more than you probably want with him? It's interesting, Jesus, who is better than Moses, didn't simply go into the Holy of Holies on our behalf as our great high priest. He paid the price for our sin so the way could be open for us to enter in as well. And that's why Hebrews chapter 10, verses 14 through 22, says these awesome words. For by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's you and me. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he had said beforehand in the scripture, and then he quotes the Old Testament, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where forgiveness of these is, there's no more need for an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, that freedom to enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, not the Old Testament way, by this new and living way, which he has separated for us, consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Guys, here's what I leave you with. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith because our hearts have been sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies have been washed with pure water. You have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why would you stay away? Let's draw near to him. Let's enter in. Let's spend time with our savior like Moses did so that we can talk to him and he can talk to us. Amen? Amen, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we have this partnership with you. Lord, that we can go in and we can pour our hearts out to you, Lord, talk to you anytime. And Lord, that you so desire to speak to us as well. So Lord, we commit to you this day. We wanna open our Bibles this week. Each day we want to spend time with you, just reading through it and committing the things that we're learning from you as you teach us in your word to doing them and then hearing your voice as you encourage us, you guide us, you lead us and you strengthen us. Lord, take our lives and let them be wholly consecrated to you. We give themselves to you in Jesus, ourselves to you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord.
0: One of and perhaps the greatest blessings God gives us is the blessing of His presence. To be near to God and know His comfort, His peace that passes all understanding. There is no other place for us to find this amazing grace. God perfectly knows every sinful and shameful act we've ever done, and yet still wants us to draw near. He still wants to bless us with more of Him. If you have any spiritual or physical need, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.